Quick question, courtesy of our sponsor, Riverside. What does Unthinkable have in common with all these shows and organizations? You ready for this? How I Built This with Guy Raz, which is an NPR show. Marvel, Spotify, TED, The New York Times, The Economist, iHeart, Fox Sports, The Morning Brew, Freakonomics, Indie Hackers, and let's throw in On Purpose with Jay Shetty. What does my show have in common with all of those organizations and shows? If you said we're all amazingly produced, beautiful sounding, beloved shows hosted by beautiful people, uh, please send me your address so I can show up and hug you. Fully masked and vaxxed, of course, of course. But in reality, what we actually have in common, I hope that stuff, but we definitely have in common the platform we use to produce the show, which is Riverside. The thing is, I'm an independent creator, but that's how easy Riverside is to use with pricing to match. It's the easiest way to record podcasts and video in studio quality remotely from anywhere. Plans start at just $8 a month, and you can try their tools, the very tools I use to make this show, for free at riverside.fm. What do our initial intentions do to the work? When we head into a new project or start a business, and we tell ourselves in our heads, this is for revenue, reach, fame, me. Or maybe we say this is for solving a problem, pushing for change, helping others, you. How do these intentions show up in what we create? As I record this, it's January 2022, and I can't open any app or channel or media outlet that remotely discusses business or careers without hearing the phrase creator economy. And I think, I feel that the creator economy has already reached a fork in the road, or at least each of us as individual creators inevitably arrive there. The two paths are represented in the very two words found in the phrase, creator economy. Is your initial intention to create or to make money? Both might exist and probably do in the work and career that you're building. But what's driving you forward? If you saw the two forks in the road on your journey, one labeled create and the other labeled cash in, which would you more eagerly walk down if given the choice, if you had to pick? And by the way, since I'm an English major, Using analogies and metaphors is how I get a return on my degree. So here's another one to pair with the uh, fork in the road example. The pendulum of the creator economy has swung really far towards the economy part. Too many people seem to arrive to make money or to get famous. They hear the promise of those results and they decide, okay, I can create stuff too. The art drops to second. The sense of service, of solving problems and helping people Those are not the primary drivers. To return to the first metaphor, because damn it, I want to return on my degree, create is not the road that most people seem to pick right now. Maybe that was always the case. Maybe that's born out of generations of creative people not getting their due. Maybe the fact that most people are showing up favoring the economy side of the creator economy, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. But I do believe I believe there's a discussion worth having. I believe that at the core of this whole creator economy thing is an idea, and maybe we should stop calling it creator economy entirely and and instead call it the creator movement or the creator era. At the core of all of this is a simple but profound idea that we can't lose sight of as more tools and techniques and media and money starts to affect more and more individuals and full-time creators. The idea is this, 
how do we find ways to fund the work and lives of creative people who make this world and our experience of it better? We can't lose sight of that, and I think we're starting to. As a result, today, we're bringing back a story from before the phrase creator economy was ever uttered, or said more appropriately, tweeted, TikToked, or mentioned excitedly on Zoom calls between entrepreneurs and VCs. Now make no mistake, I don't want to go backwards. I want creators to thrive, and we need more progress. I want us to have more avenues and abilities to build meaningful careers, but I also want those careers to have real impact, not just on ourselves, not just on our bank accounts. Sure, that's got to be part of it, but also for what the work is supposedly for, for the intentions behind it, to make things better, to help people, to serve. So as we advance forward, I want us to remember the message from this story today and to carry it with us and never forget it. Because I think our initial intentions really can transform the work for better and sometimes for worse. It's moving, inspiring, and necessary. It's unthinkable. Exploring why work resonates and how ours can too. I'm proud creator, Jay Akunzo. Just a quick note before we get started. Later in this episode, you're going to hear a certain stat shared, and that stat is actually out of date. You'll hear that creators who use Patreon to build membership businesses will be paid a total of $200 million per year through the Patreon platform. So Patreon's payouts will be cited as $200 million to all creators who use their service. But in 2021, that number was much, much larger. $2 billion. You should also know there's some language in this episode that is not great for kids to hear. Okay, with that correction and that note out of the way, here's the story. What am I? I don't mean why am I here and all that human experience stuff. I mean, what would you call me? What is it that I do exactly? I make stuff that I want to make for a career and I'm far from alone. Whatever made you weird and quirky as a kid or whatever, you know, when I talk to entrepreneurs, what kind of business should I build? You should scratch your own itch. The world is filled with people who just are not communicating in any way that's clear and useful. And I wanted to do something about that. I know personally that when I see something like that, I really react and I want to share it with people and I get really excited. So I want to make that kind of content myself. I've always drawn, you know, I mean, I've always, I, I come from an art major and I uh, drew comic strips for many years. Each project I want to be a step better than the one before. You know, if you're thinking about like a business, you use the word content. And um, it, it really like takes all the joy out of the concept of writing and takes all the art out of it. Because remember, there's creativity with that small C, but there's creativity like you're creating your life. When you make stuff for a living, you come up with all these clever titles to describe the work. Podcaster, author, speaker, creative director, experienced designer, content writer, which is kind of like saying food chef, isn't it? Content writer? Anyway, just listen to how I started this show. I don't mean this episode. I don't mean this season. I mean this entire podcast. These are the very first words I spoke in episode one, published in March of 2016. I'm Jay Kunzo, And for a while now, I've worked as a writer, a podcaster, a producer, almost uh, an artist in business. But which of those am I really? 
I'm an artist. I create stuff. I create things that make me feel and make others feel too. I'm an artist. Not a starving artist. Not a painter. Not somebody who rebels against the man. But I create. I'm an artist. I'm not almost uh, an artist. But I say it like that. I bury it because I'm talking about art in the business world or art as a career. And talking about art in the business world or art as a career is scary as f- All thanks to one thing, money. Artists aren't typically taken seriously in the working world. And so we come up with all these other clever sounding titles. We can't just be a writer. We have to be a content writer. That's because business professionals are taken seriously and business professionals make money. Artists don't understand or really care for business. Artists don't really get paid. We all grow up with a sense of wonder at making things. I mean, every child is an artist in some way. But then that's stripped away from us and we're told we need to go find a serious profession. Or so the thinking went. Aside from a chosen few, you can't possibly earn a living simply because others will pay you to make your art. But today, all of that is changing. old world of of media where there's three distribution channels that reach the public, you have a home run driven artistic economy. You need to hit it out of the park to get recognition and to be on one of those channels that has mass appeal and hundreds of millions of audience members. To talk to Jack Conti is to talk about his fiercest beliefs on creativity. The longtime musician and video producer is now the co-founder and CEO of the software company Patreon, which helps creators build membership businesses and get paid. In the new world, with the internet and infinite distribution channels and infinite niche markets, we have the single economy. You can hit a single. And if you hit a single every couple of weeks, oh my God, this is the first time in history you can hit singles as an artist and it actually works as a career. The internet was once about niche communities, but then the whole world, or at least the developed world, moved online, and so the internet went mainstream. In place of niche communities focused on resonance were entire industries obsessing over reach. Online advertising rewarded economies of scale. You had to churn out more content because you needed more traffic, because you needed more clicks or impressions, because you needed more revenue. The internet overcorrected towards building businesses and projects based on reach. The idea of eyeballs over resonance, of reach over resonance, that's the foundation of clickbait and, and crap on the web. Thus, the conventional wisdom calcified around making stuff in the digital age. Go big, or you're probably going home. Few people reject this conventional wisdom more loudly than Jack Conti. The fact that there is this like really weird love triangle or value triangle between between person who makes the stuff, person who consumes the stuff, um, platform who distributes the stuff, and advertiser who gets in the way of the people (laughs) making the stuff and the people listening to the stuff who then like that attention gets converted to dollars at the end of the day if 
if you're going for if you're going for what people will click on over what is valuable to people, those are very different questions. And I think I think advertisers are mostly concerned with how many eyeballs. What will people what will people consume? Not what will people value. If you look at what will people value, what will people pay for, what is profound and meaningful to people, versus what will people watch, what will people listen to, what shit listicles will people read. It's a very different. You wind up with a very different set of of content, a very different set of art. Jack knows firsthand the tension between cheap, crappy content that gets attention and creating art that required real care for craft and real care for the audience to create. A lifelong musician, Jack is the co-creator of a musical duo with his wife called Pamplemousse, and years ago he was busy making music videos for YouTube when he finally lost it. After slogging through idea after idea, project after project, his videos finally mercifully started to succeed. He even had a few that, quote, went viral. 150,000 people subscribed to his channel, and a couple videos exceeded millions of views. And then, at the end of the month, an exhausting but at long last proud month, Jack looked at his revenue and saw a few hundred bucks. I wasn't there to record Jack's reaction at the time, but I imagine it sounded something like this. One thing in particular that comes to mind, you know, is we found that the creators who do best on Patreon, for example, it's not about size of audience. It's about resonance with that audience. It's about how much you love your fans and how much your fans love you back. And we've seen creators, literally, we've seen creators like 2,000 subscribers launch on Patreon and make 5,000 bucks a month. Um, and we've seen creators of like 700,000 subscribers launch on Patreon, not even make 1,000 bucks a month. Um, because at the end of the day, it's like, what, you know, what is that resonance that you have with your community? How deep is that relationship? How profound? found um, is the connection, you know, between the artist and, and the person, you know, enjoying the art. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, that, that's like the, the best leading indicator or predictor of success for folks, at least on Patreon. The other thing I wanted to address is, you know, you mentioned this kind of like commoditization that's happened recently. And, and that's actually one of the reasons that I really don't like the word influencer. People talk about, you know, influencers. They, they even, I think the advertising world views creators as influencers. And in my mind, you know, essentially what that does is it commoditizes the creator. It strips everything individualistic and unique about creative people away from them and boils it down to how many eyeballs can you reach as a person, which completely removes the concept of resonance from the equation, which is why it's also such a like a, a, a bad thing. But you end up with you know influence as a commodity, much like corn or rice or oil. Like it doesn't like matter where you get it from. Um, you can get it from that from that creator or that creator or that creator or that influencer or that influencer or that influencer. But it just, the, the idea of calling a person an influencer just removes all of the uniqueness and skin and and vision and uh, and specialness of, uh, of a creative person. I felt that I didn't exist unless I was publishing. The quality of the film is horrendous, but the spirit is gigantic. If it scares you a little bit, that's a great sign. How do you infuse heart into something that is sometimes sterile? It's fun for us to kind of have 
we always call it the secret sauce to like have a little something in there that we want other people to kind of figure out how how did we pull that off you know you get that one shot where you can see the logo on the puck i'm canadian so you know hockey and uh it's like yeah that that feels so awesome Over the next year, Patreon will pay creators more than $200 million. These creators benefit from direct, deep relationships with their communities, aka patrons, who, with their monthly payments, support the art and artists they love. More than ever before, these creators can build very real careers based on getting paid to make their art, something that, even recently, was considered unthinkable. Hey, that that's the name of the show. <clears throat> The bottom line is that Jack and his teammates are creating a company to create tools to create an internet that rewards creators for resonance, not just reach. It takes such a long time to build an audience and to like get good at your craft when you're a creator or an artist. It takes a long time. You don't freaking keep the grind going and like suffer the sleepless nights of I'm not good enough and like my taste is like better than my art right now and blah blah like the only people who get through that are the people who like you know don't make money for the first five years and so they get used to not making money for the first five years um, and yeah I mean it, it, there's I, I think there's definitely an element of truth to that it's like you there, there's a survivor bias going on and the, and the people who come out the other end who actually are good enough you know it, it took a long time and a ton of work to get there i blog every weekday uh and i mean like eight six eight hundred words every weekday which is pretty unusual it is very much putting a part of myself out there because i'm saying this is what i found beautiful this is what i found to be that moment in time for me and i'm opening myself up to you and your opinion on whether that exists. We're creatives, we're emotional creatures. It definitely comes back to, does the client respect that this is your craft? Are they treating you like an artisan? Creativity is absolutely innate in us. And through negative conditioning and through our cultural grindstone, we tear that out of kids. There's this extreme audacity that all creators have. In the words of the late, great Anthony Bourdain, I think anyone who tells a story with the expectation that someone is going to listen to it or should listen, they're kind of a freak, you know? There's already something a little bit monstrous about them. Because there's this leap of faith there that's not normal. You're assuming, I'm special. I have something interesting to say that other people will actually care enough to buy a book or continue watching on TV past the commercial break. This is not reasonable thinking. This unreasonable way of thinking, I think, originates in a deeply held desire that all creators have. The desire for control. We want to control the idea, control the process. Hell, we'd like to control your response to our material. Creative control, career control, that underpins this career path that, even today, even with Patreon and the widely touted success of so many creators, still feels audacious. I think that sometimes you just feel frustrated because you're not ultimately in control. All creatives can kind of relate to the fact that like, at the end of the day, even though your work is for a client, you're really doing it for yourself too. If you don't write your own script, someone else will surely write it for you. Yeah, control. Why does control matter to creators? Well, maybe the, the first reason and, and uh, 
yeah, these, these are going to be sort of crass words here, but, but I really feel like it's true. I mean, creative people and artists have sort of historically been abused. I mean, uh, they've been tricked and, uh, they've been, um, you know, uh, misled into signing shitty deals that are like horrible for their careers and, um, and have, you know, basically push them into bankruptcy or sort of indentured servitude kinds of arrangements with institutions. And, um, you know, given, given the, the, uh, the, the breadth and availability and, you know, and ubiquity of, of tech, um, now is like such an incredible time in the history of artists where we don't have to do that shit anymore. Um, we can take our careers, we have the tools and we have the distribution platforms to take our careers into our own hands. Um, and having that control, if you have the will, right, having that control um, means that you can like actually have a long term, sustainable, like lucrative um, career um, that isn't like based on, you know, a hit song that like peaks and then you fade away. But you made three million dollars that you can live off of for the rest of your life. Like you can actually like have have sustainable output, have a sustainable career, have a sustainable income. And at the end of the day, you know, that comes down to just like having control over over yourself over your over your output over your contracts over your ip you know all that to talk to jack conti is to talk about his fiercest beliefs on creativity nothing gets him fired up quite like that conversation so i asked him why I've been a creator. It's just instinctive for me to express myself. I am a creator. Creativity begets creativity. I've seen and I've felt firsthand like the, uh, I don't wanna get too dark here, but like it's, it's so demoralizing to feel like I'm not worth it. It's so demoralizing to log in to my dashboard and to see the huge impact that I'm having on the world, like millions of views and thousands, tens of thousands of comments and excited people and people whose lives I'm changing. I mean, the fan mail, the engagement, the excitement, the comments about like, oh my God, like, you know, my, my teenager and I weren't getting along and then we started bonding over your music and now we have dance parties every night. Like, just like the, the, the impact that I feel like I'm having, that I know artists feel that they're having. It feels good to tell somebody else's story or tell that moment in time and have it perpetuate on into the endless ether. And then to literally on your dashboard to see that juxtaposed with the dollars that you are paid for that impact, it's fucked. It's so demoralizing. It, there's such a discrepancy between what artistic people are worth and what artistic people are paid. And like, there's a big part of that that's like anger. Like I'm angry about that. I'm I'm excited to fix that. Like it's 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 such an important problem. And at the end of the day, like we all lose if we don't fix that. The artists lose. The people who enjoy the art lose. Um, everyone loses if we don't fix that societal problem. The internet is a global system. And that global system is incentivizing the wrong things. And it's, it's not paying people what they deserve to be paid. We've got to fix that. We've got to fix that. So yeah, that's why I'm so fired up about it.
Thanks for listening. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Jay Akunzo. If you had any thoughts or questions on this episode, this show, or my work overall, email me. I'm jay at unthinkablemedia.com. I'm also at Jay Akunzo on Twitter. I write, speak, and consult and create shows all around this idea of resonating deeper with your audience. As an independent creator, I rely on the support of listeners like you. Every time you share this show, leave a review, or purchase a book or course from my site, I'm able to continue making Unthinkable and keep it free to find and enjoy. So thank you so much for taking an active role in supporting this show. I literally couldn't make it without your support. And if you're looking for an easy first step to lend more support, consider subscribing to my newsletter. It's totally free, and each week I send a brand new story and insight all around that idea of creating work that resonates. It's called Playing Favorites. How do you create work that you love and that others consider their favorite too? You'll join thousands of creators and marketers from brands like the New York Times, the BBC, Adobe, Salesforce, and Red Bull, and tons of entrepreneurs, marketers, freelancers, and independent creators. Subscribe for free at jayakunzo.com or check your show notes for the link. I'm back in a week with a brand new episode of the show. Until then, keep making what matters. See ya. Thank you to our sponsor, Riverside. One of the weirdest things about being a podcaster for as long as I've been and also coming out of software companies at the same time as I have is to see just how behind so much software for podcasters really is. The tools that we use to create and produce our audio and even video feel stuck in the past. The dashboards are dense with fields that you don't really need anymore. You don't even know what they do. And the design is archaic. It feels daunting. Like you have to be really technical to use this tool and unlock its true power. And that's why I use Riverside for this show and all my client shows too. I've talked about their ease of use a lot in these ads, but I'm a simple creature when it comes to tech. I often judge their ease of use by how I feel to be present in the tool. And Riverside makes me feel both relaxed and empowered, like I'm running a world-class studio right from my browser. So whether you're a veteran showrunner or just getting started, explore Riverside's beautifully designed platform for free to see what I mean. The best part is you'll get started focused on creating a great show, not stressing about tech. Learn more at riverside.fm.